Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Silicon Sasquatch podcast. Uh, I am your host for today, Nick Cummings, and I'm joined by uh, almost all the crew. Uh, we have uh, in Japan, Doug Bonham. Good morning. My voice is going to be awful because I was in karaoke last night until midnight. In beautiful, surprisingly sunny Portland, Oregon, we have Aaron Thayer. Hello, everybody. It's good to be back. I haven't been on in a while. We missed you, buddy. And uh, about a mile and a half away from me, because that's just how we roll, is Spencer Tordoff. You went by order of distance. That kind of makes sense. I I had Google Maps open to help. So <laughs> A mile and a half and five bridges, Seattle. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, in 45 minutes in gridlock traffic. <laughs> Fuck the city. So the topic for today, uh, we wanted to uh, just kind of take a news story that Seems pretty significant to a lot of people for a lot of reasons, and that's uh, Microsoft's newest announcements about its strategy for Xbox One going forward. Um, Aaron, do you want to kind of give us the, the overview on that? Yeah, so um, what happened this week, and it came out of the blue, uh, on June 9th, Xbox One is going to be sold as a uh, disassociated bundle from the Connect 2. So... What that means for consumers is starting June 9th, and I believe right now pre-orders are available. You can pay $399, uh, the same price as a PlayStation 4, for an Xbox One without a Kinect. Um, Microsoft made that announcement, and they've also said that they will sell the Kinect separately this fall, undetermined what the price and date will be. Now, aside from the big hardware change, also coming up, they are going to be making some significant changes to Xbox Gold, meaning that you don't actually have to have Gold to have access to streaming apps, uh, popular ones like Netflix and HBO Go. So two really big announcements this week, um, or almost a week ago now, um, on pretty much two major aspects of the Xbox platform. That represents, the Connect piece anyway, a pretty big backstep from... The last thing that really, I, in my opinion, made the Xbox One a distinct entry, you know, not just another console, not just another PS4. And I don't mean any disrespect to the PS4's strategy or feature set, but more just like the fact that the Kinect was mandatory this time around, not just optional as it was with the 360, uh, kind of, it was a double-edged sword, but it kind of meant that, you know, because you had that baseline, there was an expectation that every game could take advantage of it. And now that that baseline is gone... I think that, um, if nothing else, kind of poses some questions about what the identity and what the target audience of this console will be in the long run. Yeah, and as Tyler said when he posted this news into our like personal, private kind of discussion area, Megaton. This is, as Nick said, them backing off from the last word. thing that made this <laughs> console unique. I kind of find this like the... You know, people have been saying the Wii U is dying for a long time, and that's kind of apt based on sales numbers but the death of the connect there that means that i mean microsoft has backed down from everything they came into the generation with granted the gold move people have been hounding them about that since netflix was a thing on streaming like uh that's just been asinine so i consider that just them realizing oh hey we're gonna get some goodwill if we finally do this yeah i think that actually that was the only consumer device where netflix streaming was locked behind a paywall yep 
Exactly. Yeah. And it also cost them some other deals that they were trying to work on when streaming was kind of their big push back in, you know, 2009, 2010 or so on the 360 because things like the BBC cannot be behind a paywall and that cost yep. them that feature in the US or in the UK as well, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh and so you have Microsoft backing down from everything that made the Xbox One unique. Um, you have Nintendo, who have basically, like at least with um, starting with Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze, saying that, oh, well, you don't have to code for both screens. You know, you can just use one or the other. That's fine. So that game actually shipped with no touchscreen uh, video? It, it was you pick one or you pick the other. Yeah, the demo will play wow. on both, but you play on one or the other. Wow! <laughs> and finally, I don't know that Sony, besides streaming, came into the generation with anything really exciting. Twitch day one. Twitch day one. I mean that. Yeah, <laughs> that is pretty cool. But ultimately, it's like at this point, what precisely sets this generation apart from the last one? Less and less. I mean, look at let's 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 look at the original pitch for the xbox one because i think that'll help kind of elucidate just how different things are now because originally this was a console that was mandatory internet connection at almost all times like effectively it had to be always on and it had to sync with the server very frequently um to for you to maintain access to your content and to be fair i do think that they were right to back down from that i get what they were going for but you know the moment the uh what about our troops argument came into the frame they were doomed if they didn't drop it yeah regardless of whether that's accurate or not or anything like yeah they, that's that's not an argument you can win in the court of public opinion mm-hmm. yeah exactly that's a that's a pr nightmare but still the trade-off there was if you're always connected you always have access to your games no matter which console you're logged in from so the benefit there would be like if you do go to a friend's house or you're traveling or something Instant access to your content on any console at any time is pretty compelling. I think that includes save files as well as full games. Uh, you know, the, the caveat there is that their used game sales would effectively be um, siloed in a really kind of complex way from publisher to publisher, and some games wouldn't be resellable at all because effectively everything has to install to the hard drive. So better end user experience in terms of just raw gameplay, perhaps, but much more limiting in terms of consumer options. So that's a big part of why after E3 and after uh, all the pressure from people touting PlayStation 4 is kind of more more conservative, more run-of-the-mill, but powerful and affordable console, uh, things changed dramatically. But the one thing that stuck was the mandatory connect. Yes. And, of course, mm-hmm. the $100 price difference. Right. What I find fascinating is we're talking just a year on from the announcement of the Xbox One, uh, pre E3, and look at how drastic that's changed in all, actually less than a year, just May to May. So, um, this is a completely different console, and for lack of a better word, it's been neutered from what was the original vision. But I guess I would ask you guys: uh, Does it this change with the Connect and the cheaper price technically make it any more appealing to you, or is it the same thing where? Um, I'm the only one on staff that actually has a next-gen console, which is a PS4. So do, do you guys even want to buy an Xbox One now? I personally, like, I have a lot of things stacked against an Xbox One. I'm not interested in buying a console this year because I have a lot of other purchases and things to make because real life and, you know, the, the real life happens. 
Ooh, I'm Doug. I'm an adult. Ooh, I I have to move this year. I drive my own car. I I also <laughs> am in Japan where there is Xbox support, but it's laughable. And there are Xbox sales, but they're even more laughable. They make the Wii U look like a hot seller. So I'm really stacked against getting any sort of next-gen console, especially a Microsoft next-gen console at the moment. I mean, that does kind of make sense on one front because the Wii U is only a hot seller in Japan. But yeah, not even is it that. doing well there? Not even. I thought that. it was doing not great, but not abysmal. Mostly, it's just the three uh, 3DS at this point. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Until you look at smartphone sales, and then it's like, oh, I I don't know. I feel like this is not for for me. It's not a productive question because I don't. I'm not buying a next gen console at this point. I uh, I was lucky enough that uh, recently I was able to play through Metal Gear Solid Five Ground Zeroes. Uh, and about half of Infamous Second Son, which were the only two next-gen games I was really kind of clamoring for that I couldn't play on my PC. Uh, both beautiful games, but, you know, there's nothing about this generation so far that suggests um, an evolution in design beyond what you're getting currently on even PS3 and Xbox 360. Like, I remember, you know, about a year into the Xbox, and maybe we're just, you know, a year out from this stuff, but... A year into the Xbox and, uh, 360 and PS3, you had games like Assassin's Creed and Mass Effect coming out. And they, through their complex systems, through uh, presentation, fidelity, scope of the games, you were seeing stuff that just technically could not have been done before. And my my feeling, Aaron, you know, maybe you have some examples of this because you do on a PS4, but my feeling is that those sort of things just aren't happening, uh, at least not yet, with this new improved graphical, or, or you know, just hardware power. So, I mean, I didn't want an Xbox One before. If enough exclusive awesome games come out for it, then I'll consider it probably. But the the core features of the console beyond just gaming don't appeal to me because I already have a billion streaming devices. I don't have a cable subscription and I just, I'm not going to use it as the device they are selling it as, which is basically like the conduit to your other entertainment. You're right. And the article I wrote just a few months ago now still applies about the PlayStation 4 being pretty much useless as it is. And I would imagine it's the same for the Xbox One, but that's opinion because maybe some of the exclusives that um, have come out since launch for the Xbox One are more enticing for you, whoever you are. But uh, I, I, I agree with you guys about the point of this generation so far, but to give a little bit of the context too, Assassin's Creed Mass Effect, those came out um, almost two years after the Xbox 360 had been out, because remember that one launched first. I just double-checked the dates, and Mass Effect was November 2007, which was almost two years after it came out. So we're still in that... So one one year after PS3, two years after 360. Which is where I think we're going to see the difference, because we're only six months into this generation. We're going to see even more games this fall not that they're going to be killer apps that cause any of you guys or the skeptics out there too to buy a next-gen console but i think within the year and the rumors and the e3 stuff that i'm sure we'll see might prove some of that but really back to your guys's kind of common um, perspective i agree with that that this generation really has now made itself unable to be differentiated from the previous generation aside from fidelity and horsepower, which is disappointing. Um, I, 
obviously chose a PlayStation 4 initially over an Xbox One, but part of me was excited about um, the Xbox One platform just because of the Kinect, because maybe being mandatory, unlike the 360 version of the Kinect, which came out much later, that developers would use it and really build something because it's already installed. There's millions of people with it, but this sign tells me that it's either not being used, no one really wanted to use it, and it's just kind of dead in the water, which is disappointing because this generation is now just the same two consoles that we've had and the Wii U doing its own thing, so it's just a repeat, really. Yeah, and I think to be fair to both these consoles, you can make that whole, oh, it's just better fidelity and looks a little bit better and doesn't have any games that we want to play argument for the first two, first year or so of both the PS3 and the 360. There was a lot more online infrastructure that came in with the Xbox 360 compared to the previous generation of the original Xbox and the PS2. But at the same time, like, okay, you could talk about that. Like, maybe in a few years, we'll be looking at the Twitch integration and the other streaming integration, or even maybe even Xbox One's TV integration as the same sort of leap that was really like, it was a experiment at the time. I, I don't know, like, history plays out, and even a couple of years down the road, we might look at a few things differently. But then it was down the road, two years later, three years later, that these consoles changed to meet the marketplace. The marketplace itself changed, and the you know the the features we take for granted now are the ones that are that were major changes halfway through the life system of these systems that we have in the the previous generation, and are now the new like okay they're baked into the Xbox One and the PS4. I I agree with you up to a point, but. At least with the first generation, or not even the first generation, with the first few titles, first couple of years on the 360, on the PS3, uh, it, it really had a feeling of testing the waters. Like, they were making games that were, you know, kind of ugly, kind of not that great looking. They weren't really pushing the capabilities of the console. And I was just talking with Nick about this last night, and they announced uh, for Watch Dogs, upcoming title, that it is going to run in 720 at uh, 30 frames a second on the Xbox One. And what was it, something like 910p? It was like 933 or 900p. <laughs> Basically, sub sub 1920 by 1080, which is considered yeah, quote-unquote true sub HD. 1080. But the biggest thing is like 30 frames per second. <laughs> right, and at which, at which point I'm over here thinking, this is, this is the next gen. This is the horsepower bump that we were promised. Like, I get that it's a visually intensive game, but that is just unimpressive in every regard. I would. Is this where we make jokes about ATI graphics? Yeah. I would also just no, say, just like, I'm not as worried about what what sponsored by Nvidia. I don't care how many P's the game like Watch Dogs has. I care that mm-hmm. they've changed apparently so much about it from when they showed it last year at E3. Sure, 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 absolutely, but. And, you know, I hate to get all, well, you know, over here, but Nick said, you know, I know that I can install that on my computer and play it at 60 frames and it'll look great and I can run it on a TV at full resolution. Well, hey, and also the same thing happened with the 360 and PS3. People were like, oh, but the 360 is not even 720 sometimes and the PS3 is and yada. And it, and after yeah. no, another couple of years, it didn't fucking matter. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. At the time, PC games ported from consoles like at launch of PS3 and 360, even a few years in. Yeah, they were bad. Yep. They were not yep. well supported. They didn't support controllers well. Steam was very nascent at that point, and it wasn't a comparable experience. What's happened is you've got this weird ecosystem where 
PC gaming or just, you know, gaming in general on computers is even on Mac now is pretty solid, pretty robust and very well supported. And when you have, you know, performance and quality and accessibility that is at least on par for major games on the new consoles, as it is with PC, if not outright better for the money, it's that's what makes this generation so confounding is like it almost feels like they arrived too late. Yeah, and look at just a small example, Dark Souls 2 on PC. They actually, uh, the developers, put in resources to make the PC version better than the kind of cheap cop-out Dark Souls on PC with games for Windows Live support was. Yep. So there is absolutely a shift to what is a priority. And that's a and Japanese developer. That's also Japan. What I was going to comment on was something Doug mentioned just a little bit ago is um, related kind of back to the Xbox, just to kind of bring it back around um the change in the market and the response to market pressure or requirements or demands that the consoles last generation made becoming these entertainment devices as we've now seen it's a natural thing but isn't this whole change and microsoft specifically sony really hasn't had to do jack to change uh nintendo is obviously trying to make a lot of changes and we'll see how that pans out but microsoft specifically has been at a disadvantage almost since the announcement and look at what they've changed now and this most recent change the the two changes dropping the connect in response to what i assume is market pressure because it's not selling as well as the ps4 even though it's still in the millions and the change to gold which is weird that they've done it now 12 years on from the advent of xbox live and then you know eight years nine years since uh xbox 360 live happened like why are those changes happening now aren't they already responding to the market pressure so what is this change for the future of that console if they're already bending within six months of the release to whatever the consumers think they want i have to start this now by saying to change which i'm probably going <laughs> to cut but it immediately popped into my head i couldn't help myself um to answer the much earlier question I don't really feel the need to buy an Xbox One. Like, if I can get one for 100 bucks a year later uh, as a dedicated Halo box, that may happen. But otherwise, I really don't care. What Aaron said here so nicely segued into what I was getting at is that I think what we are seeing is the basically Microsoft entering the post-Balmer era. I've heard that theory... What do you mean, though? Balmer took really hardline stances about a bunch of stuff. Like, Balmer threw a chair almost through a window over Google. Balmer... He's very strong. ...was all about purity of the platform. Purity of Microsoft. Microsoft is going to be its own thing. And with their new leadership, I forget the name now... Satya Nadella. There you go. I believe that they're actually realizing, hey, we're a corporation... Why don't we just like money? And thus are adjusting in the direction of what they think is going to make them the best profit as opposed to what is going to make them a solid platform. And to be honest, I embrace this. I think this is a great direction for Microsoft simply because uh, their attempt to make a platform of themselves was so misguided and fell so flat. Yeah. And so to to move in the direction of hey, let's just do what consumers want cuz that, you know, ends up paying out more. I think that will end up serving them in the long run. I mean, consider Office on iPad. Like prior yeah. 
prior yeah. to that, and it's good. Uh, Microsoft was almost unwilling to admit that the iPad was a thing, and now you have this great pl- product that they're putting out. I, I think I don't, you make a great point. Mm-hmm. You don't. You don't. Agree, I, I don't think this is an example of that. I can understand like the. I think the the iPad and the iOS um, office is is one thing, and that's kind of a case or an example of shifting corporate. Uh, philosophy i don't think this is i think i think this is an example of the continued stumbles that they've had since announcing the xbox one and developing it which is like tripping over their feet to make sure they retain their market share and doing it in a short-term way i think it's a i think it's market share in a short-term view but isn't that connected i mean isn't is that not capitalism is that not wanting more money how is that different it is, but it's it's how you go about that process, and it's in this case, it's it's, um, it is very indicative or is very typical for how Microsoft's been behaving the last five or ten years, which is you know the 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 silos things are cut off from other departments, highly highly compartmentalized, and also like trying to. It's the hubris that led to the whole you always have to be online and you can't sell your games nonsense last year in the first place. Whereas now Was that hubris though? Because there was a it wasn't just a cost to the consumer. It was pitched and not completely inaccurately, I would argue, as a benefit. I mean, let's be realistic here, and I hate to cut you off, but basically what Xbox One was proposing, and I railed against it at the time, but they were offering almost exactly Steam. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, but Steam is a product for people who are already invested in PC gaming, and is it? I believe so for the most part. Like my mom's not going to be installing Steam, but my my parents might well buy a video games console. Who knows? Like they're more likely to do one than the other. The general argument is a console is more likely to be purchased by a mainstream audience than things on Steam and PC gaming. Steam is growing because the engaged hardcore whatever you want to call it audience is taking more notice of it and also sales get people's attention a lot. I don't too. think it's just the hardcore though. Like I see my dad playing Civ 5 on Steam. I mean, whoa, your dad is cool. <laughs> You'd think so. I um, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think Sorry, dad. I would like to add and I agree with Spencer and I I can see Doug's point, but at the same time, I don't think that this is uncharacteristic or this is this is doing Microsoft is doing an about face based on what Phil Spencer, the new head of the division, is doing under the guidance of uh, Nadella, which is basically put games first. This whole reaction and having somebody in control and likely a CEO that then backs that idea of the Xbox platform is all these crazy harebrained ideas about um, ownership, digital content, the stuff we saw when it was announced, whether or not you agree with that, and whether or not you see it as uh, congruent or opposite of the Steam platform, what the original Xbox One was, we're now seeing by making a connectless device that gold is also now not a requirement for the majority of the actions anybody with an Xbox One or 360 do is making it back to just a games platform. And I think that that's a good thing. And I think it will improve their market share drastically, especially when the the exclusives start happening. And I think it falls in line with what Microsoft wants to do. Because uh, 
we mentioned the iPad app, which is great. Nick said it is totally awesome. And that came out not that long after the CEO promotion. Like, why, why are we holding this up? The whole Microsoft Windows Cloud, Windows Azure, which is a big uh, competitor to Google and Amazon Cloud, they've rebranded it as just Azure. There's no Microsoft Windows tagline to it because they want to have that market reach for software in the cloud uh, category and not have the baggage of Microsoft. And this whole thing of Microsoft's vision over the last, uh, the, the Balmer era, has been them saying, for instance, and this applied to other companies, for us to succeed, Apple has to lose. Apple has to fail. We, we're we seeing them not do that anymore by saying, you know what, we don't have to be uh, the Zune developer and make our own music player. We don't have to do all this crap. We are just going to offer good services as a business to gain customer loyalty and not be the monopoly we used to be. And I think that this Xbox move is part of that, and I think it's a good thing. I totally agree with what Aaron's saying. Uh, I do think that this is indicative of that same mentality, but I feel like it's, um, I, I kind of, I draw a different conclusion where I don't see this move as being making it games focused primarily, although it probably helps that because I've, you know, Microsoft has come out and said, I believe that uh, that CPU power that was devoted to Connect can now be siphoned off into, uh, for example, making games run faster, which would, you know, hopefully resolve a lot of the controversy about, like, why is Call of Duty running at a lower resolution on Xbox One instead of PS4, the Watch Dogs thing, etc. So <laughs> I think it's, yeah, right. Who cares about that shit? If it looks good, it looks good. Resolution doesn't matter that much. But the person point... I brought up that argument now making the nerd noises anyway. Yeah. So, right. Thank you for coming clean. So, but I think that this is more about what does the everyman want? What does the average you know, I, I have a TV, I have a family. We want something cool to enhance that experience. Um, Xbox Live Gold was a barrier for so many people to that kind of thing. Because when you look at the fact that, well, shit, I'm paying $60 a year to access stuff that I could play for free off of a Chromecast that costs almost half of what that does, you know, $35. It's it's like, wait, why are we buying this expensive console and paying this yearly fee to access these services? Yeah, they, they didn't think... react when those sort of services became ubiquitous. Yeah, they were too late. I think this is kind of them just doing a quick about face and being like, okay, we got to get real. If we want to get, if we want to break even, if we want to even have a, a hope of the success with the last generation, we got to cut our losses. We got to get on the level of PS4. Just one more point about their corporate stuff. Like, okay, so the guy that they have have as CEO now was within Microsoft. So some things can happen, but things like developing an app, maybe it was just stonewalled forever. Changing a name, that's easy to do, relatively. This type of stuff, like how many devices did Microsoft release in the last 15 years that they then immediately cut off at their legs on a whim? I mean, if you're asking for a serious answer, the Zune Every Zune ever? The Zune. They cut Windows Phone 7. Windows Phone. Windows Phone 6. The tablet. A, a yeah, lot of that Their first stuff. tablet, at least. Like They, yeah. they have a habit of doing this. And They're it's, Palm competitor. Um, there's an article by <laughs> yeah. Patrick Klepik, or it was within this week's... Um, this it was either he wrote two articles about this topic one of them was about connect and i'm gonna back his argument here in a second but the other one was this week's uh, worth reading and there's tweets mentioned within one of them about things you know microsoft it's required until suddenly it isn't and it's that is continuation of their previous corporate culture with stuff culture doesn't change that fast maybe if there's a hardware revision next year to revamp the xbox one so that 
the power that the Kinect was using can be better utilized within the Xbox system. Okay, that's changing a corporate culture, but that's going to take a year to do this. That is, we're talking about a hardware versus software. That's not a corporate culture. That's a patch. Connect is a software. Like it's hardware connected to software. You just write, you know, you patch the software. It is not that complicated. That patch is coming sooner than next year. But still, they designed this system to have Connect in mind. And not having Connect there, okay, sure, you can maybe do stuff that make it better, but it's going to be down compared to the PS4, which was designed from the front to be a little bit more powerful. I don't think design is a one-size-fits-all thing, though. You can look at architecture of the CPU and GPU years in advance, but things like, does this have a Blu-ray drive? Those were those decisions were made like days before E3, from my understanding. Right, but slapping in Blu-ray drives is different from the architecture of the CPU and GPU, and I have an inkling that they designed it with the Kinect in mind. I'm not a programmer by trade, but <laughs> I don't I don't think that writing a camera is the same as writing the architecture by which data transfer, travels through your system. Right, but managing all of that at the same time is a different infrastructure and a different design to the system. It's or, software. This is not 1996. There is not a video <laughs> coprocessor for the Kinect. It's all software. And this is where we've lost our audience. <laughs> I am not. I'm not even. I have a tiny little brain, and I comprehend this. Okay. Re- now, regardless, whether it was designed to do one thing, and then now it's nine tenths as good without it, or eight tenths, whatever. Even if it's almost as good, it's still a small difference. Well, was that an official? I I heard that too, Nick, and I didn't really see the source. Was that an official sort or one of those rumor sort of things that that's going to benefit by not having the connect plugged in yeah i I don't think it was it wasn't built as a rumor i think it was like a theoretically this can is possible now as kind of like a statement offhanded from um what i heard before both systems were launched was the architecture of the p like they both had similar levels of power which we know is pretty true like the exact numbers who cares it's it's roughly the same but the ps4 was throwing their extra allotment of resources towards streaming and towards recording uh, footage, while the the Xbox One's allotment was going towards connect and audio, especially audio. Mm-hmm. So, okay, maybe that's freed up now, but can it be used? Maybe it can. I'm not the person to do the hardware stuff, but it was designed to take advantage of that space and use extra audio stuff. And it might not be. It might just be dead space now. It might be usable, but it's still a design that the Xbox One had. That they can't change now, unless if they do a bigger hardware revision. That's my point. The more the more we talk architecture about is architecture. <laughs> the more we talk about that with the uh, um, one of its core components gone, the more it sounds like this is a we, like they designed it yeah. with it in mind, and it's not as powerful. But it's hey, more like the playing. Homer of consoles. But yeah, you're paying for the experience, so. Hey, I hope you enjoy it. But all I was going to add is actually off of something you had mentioned before, uh, Spencer, about with the gamepad and what happened with Donkey Kong, um, uh, with the gamepad not even being required. I feel like what came of this generation was an extension of these interactive devices that, aside from the Wii, which had happened back in 2006, we had the Kinect and then the PlayStation camera with the Move um, these interactive devices just got carried over into this new generation, and maybe we're seeing through the gamepad potentially not being required, and the general sales of the Wii U, and then what's happening with the Connect. Even if it's still sold standalone, I wonder how many units they're going to sell of that. Probably not many. Um, 
if this is sort of throwing in the towel of, you know what, this kind of old gesture interface, whatever technology really doesn't matter as much now. The fad's gone, so let's get back to the grassroots. I don't know, but I think it's kind of funny to see the parallels of the the Xbox One and then the Wii generation of consoles now. Mm -hmm. I just want to throw out there, and I know that uh, Doug had been kind of doubting on this, but at the end of 2012, I wrote an article about uh, my impressions of Halo 4 and how they I felt they reflected on Microsoft as a whole. And in it, and I'm honestly, I'll admit, I'm still kind of proud of this article, even though we had maybe five views on it, whatever. Um, Microsoft, for such a long time, had been attempting to make their own platforms. They were spending so much time and so much money creating competitors to products that were already entrenched. And just the evidence that we have so far, like I know corporate culture takes a while to change, but this is a pretty solid pivot on their point between the Xbox and uh, office on iPad and the rebranding of Azure. I really think they're turning over a new leaf. Now, as far as gaming is concerned, I do not know precisely how relevant that is. Maybe they'll figure out a, a way to use the extra horsepower on the, uh, on the Xbox one. Maybe they won't. But I do think this is the start of really a new era for Microsoft. Maybe the one will be the loser of this generation. <laughs> not likely at this point, but I really think we should not uh, dismiss them out of hand. I still think Microsoft's lacking direction and just trying to throw things at the wall and scramble. It's the same position. Like, I, 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 can I say that I called this one a while back, too? This is where... You know, the first one, they're trying to be scrappy. The second system, they get success. And then the third one, they expect that success to directly carry over no matter, oh, people are going to buy this because it's Microsoft. Uh, there's alternatives and competitors out there. And those people had to feel the sting and get scrappy as well. So I think this is the one where they're going to fall behind a little bit and not be quite as successful. And I think part of it is, so Patrick Klepik's article was about how it was, um, like Xbox or Connect died in the Uncanny Valley. And part of his argument in that article is, I think it's a good argument that the lack of proper games that make use, like they tried to be too directly direct with the fidelity of motion control. They tried to be like too close to one-to-one -one instead of things like Dance Central can be one-to-one -one on the harder difficulties or lower down. And also like, um, what was it? Double Fine's Happy Action Theater, just this thing's got this, the Connect system's got bugs. Let's just embrace it and go with something wild and crazy. Not many games that were published or pushed had that sort of like, let's just use this thing instead of making it perfect or trying to use it for perfect fidelity. Let's like, let's use this thing in fun, creative ways. Not enough stuff embraced that. And not enough, and there wasn't enough embracing by Microsoft of the independent community that was hacking the Connect and doing all sorts of crazy stuff, like all over the Connect, um, or with the Connect on PC. So there's clearly ways you can use this and have it be really cool, but none of that turned out into game products. It was all Wii-style mini game collections and nonsense. So I. I personally think that this is still an untapped thing, and it's also their unique selling point still, too. 
it without the connect without that interactivity both of voice and of as a motion control system like what do they have that's unique there's not much unique there they needed to do a better job of creating that unique stuff and creating something cool creating something new with connect but that wasn't trying to be too close to one to one because that's not strength i think that yeah it's connect isn't dead just as much as connect was never dead on 360 as a peripheral that you bought in addition um i think you're right in echoing that argument that the fidelity was too close without quite hitting the mark yep. to just feel as like magical or automatic as it needed to be like um this isn't the kind of product you'd see frankly nintendo wouldn't have shipped it or um apple for example it's just it's too close without quite hitting the mark for it to be that experience that would sell people on the console so stripping it out from mandatory purchase makes sense yet you know we had six months the developers had a long time to work on this nothing that has hit that console the xbox one has really demonstrated the, the improve from what i can tell that there are massive improvements in fidelity or that it hits that pinnacle um that the first connect couldn't hit i guess my question at this point though is like what's done is done this is now a 400 hundred dollar console that has graphical fidelity roughly on par with PS4. Uh, maybe a little bit shy still, but we'll see if that changes. Uh, and then a feature set in terms of like streaming, apps, uh, infrastructure that is, again, very similar to PS4. Um, what What is this going to do for, you know, what, what does this open up Microsoft to do in the future? Like if they're trying to take this generation again, they've got an uphill battle because they aren't releasing sales figures on sell-through. They've mentioned, I think they've shipped something like 6 million or 7 million consoles out, but PS4 has sold more than Xbox One has shipped. That's a, you know, it's it's very early in the game, but that's still, obviously, I think it's I think it's fair to say that that had an influence on Microsoft making this decision to make these changes before E3. So, I guess, looking holistically at things, this is a really confusing generation for people, and especially for people who aren't plugged into gaming. Like, in an era where gaming is supposed to be more, getting more accessible, it's easier to make games, easier to distribute them, easier to publish them, easier to play them and share them and talk about them. These consoles aren't doing a whole lot to make it easier for people to enjoy games. And I think that's going to be the big, just looking at the way things are going right now, I think that's going to be the big challenge for everybody in the hardware market in the next few years. And I think that when you look at it that way, um, Microsoft probably had to make this kind of move to, in order to create a console that people felt confident buying that they felt confident they'd be able to play the games they want to play on. Wow. You actually really summed that up very well. Yeah. I just between, you know, last, last generation, you had the, Wii, you had, um, you know, which everyone bought, you have the Xbox offering. I don't know what, look, just, just the fact that we contrasting that hard that now it seems so arcane. So weird. That's, no, that's a really good point. Yeah, I think the bigger picture is also, well, the sell-through and the amount of consoles sold has proved that there's still a market to a certain point for and, there, and a hunger and thirst for gaming on consoles. Not everybody's gone to their iPhones or iPads or PCs yet. But at the same time, like, this is still the six-month point. Um, within the first year, like, what's... It, it, this is really, really going to sound dumb for a lot of reasons, but where's the Gears of War moment with this console coming up this fall? 
Well, they got six months. They got six months to find it. Gears of War came out about a year after the Xbox 360, and that was their first real big exclusive. They got a lot of people excited about that generation. Yep. I bought, played that game, and the next day I bought an Xbox 360. Yeah, and I, I bought my mine the summer before and didn't have much else to do. Like, Dead Rising kind of sold me, and the whole idea of buying the console, downloading a demo, that was a... think Remember yeah, that cool. when that was a new thing. Downloading a uh, demo, trying the game, and then one on PC. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> well, uh, no, that was with PC Gamer. <laughs> on a console, though. Yeah. For me, it was Res HD, and that was just a remake of a PlayStation game. So, eh. and it was awesome. You mean a Dreamcast game? Oh God, it's so good. Was Res on Dreamcast? Dreamcast. Yeah, it was Dreamcast first. Oh my God. Well, there yeah. you go. Let's not go down the Dreamcast rabbit hole. Though. Nope. <laughs> not with Doug here. Nope. Let's be realistic. <laughs> if the <laughs> PS3 had offered. Uh, <laughs> had offered a remake of Alpha Centauri, it would have been like, oh, I'll get the PS3 instead. But. Yeah. But no, this is still a confusing time because, you know, we're trying to look for precedent, but there isn't precedent yet. It's still early. And I'm, I'm tempted to say this is Microsoft without a rudder. Like, they're, they don't have direction. They don't know what they're doing. But, you know, it's still six months in. So it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to be too, like, this is the death knell or this is what's going to save them. We don't know. It's early. It sucks. Can mm-hmm. I make a, a wild, anyone else is welcome to join in this, but like a wild, just sort of five-year-out bet on what's going to determine who wins this generation? Mm, what's that? It's going to be the platform that makes it easiest for people to publish, interact with, share, and sell content. That sounds like a good bet, considering where PC gaming has been. Obviously, we've talked about the fact that there's just more and more games coming out every day. Look at the onslaught of games through Humble Bundle, through Steam Publishing. Um, I, th- I think it's we're, we're on the verge of something really interesting. And if the consoles are going to compete, um, they can't just court any, de- any developers who want to sell a game for $15. Mm-hmm. They have to look at the full spectrum, I think. Well, not just that, but also um, if there's ways to create content in-game or applications to use alongside a game to create content and sell through that like look at what valve has done with with dota with team fortress oh, yeah. with, with now hearthstone Compendium with items yeah. i just i just bought shit for dota 2 and i don't even fucking know how to play that game so. <laughs> that's because that game is impossible <laughs> it is impossible but i get more stanley parable content if i play <laughs> <laughs> and also the sharing is through video as well and we'll see and maybe the the uh, playing on demand, like playing via streaming, will be a good thing for Sony. Who knows? All right. My my prediction, then, for this generation, Steam wins it in the end. Because, of course, I'm the guy who's going to say that. Define your winning terms. Uh, everyone has a Steam box now. I'm willing to say that okay. because I don't feel <laughs> any con- uh, consequences for saying this. Um, oh, you will. And I'll make sure I- of that. I will say for this year, anyway... Uh, I'm going to say three adventure games in our uh, top ten, and I will fight anybody who keeps Kentucky Route Zero off of it, which means PC still wins. That means Kentucky Route Zero has to ship its fifth episode. Yes. I am am crossing my fingers super hard on this. Don't you take this away from me. I am making unsupportable (laughs) claims over here. Mm. It's either 2014 or 2015's Game of the Year. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Let's not forget that I put that on my memorable list last year, so way ahead of the curve on that. But, yeah. (laughs) Ultimately, I feel like this is the uh, generation of Sega Saturn's. 
I just don't think it's really that going to be that great. Yeah. Well, there will be games on consoles, and there will be games on PCs, and some of them will be the same game, and they're going to be pretty good games at the end of the day. Just depends. Uh, the games on... are going to be great. I'm just not sold on the hardware. Watch Dogs looks the, stupid. The brands are too strong to die. Xbox and PlayStation and Nintendo brands are too strong to die. PC will keep gaining influence in its new powerful and open platform state that people didn't really get but believe me i talk with people every day that don't have a value proposition for a pc investment even if we're talking about a steam box that reaches the 500 dollars price point the core gamers the people who have been gaming since they were kids and our age the the mid to late 20s i guarantee you they will still lean towards buying a console if we're talking about bringing in a new market, then that's where the smartphone and PC audience uh, has a bit of an advantage. Yep, I think you're right. Oh, and the last silly wild guess for five years down the road, Nintendo gets its shit together barely. I was kind of, I was kind of tempted to to project that. Like, basically, they pull a Sony last generation mm-hmm. and manage to completely turn the tables i i didn't say it was with these current pieces of hardware but they are going to get their stuff together is my guess we'll see how china helps i think they won't china don't care china manufactures whatever you send them blueprints they'll make it they'll work workers to death for it it's great but it's also this great untapped uh consumer market and we don't know how they're going to react other than we know that they love them some riot games Mm. Uh, that's true they love paying for games up front they love World of Warcraft. That's free. I think the uh, the black market came just because of the console bans for the last forever. So Nintendo's already trying to court that, so we'll see how that pans out. Yep. yep. I think it's, you know, all I can say is don't count on Atari. <laughs> <laughs> don't count them out. E3. It's been a while since the Jaguar, but... <laughs> E3 announcement. Showed up with the be... Atari Panther. There's your fucking <laughs> Megaton. All right. <laughs> Now, since we've completely gone off the rails, are we good to call this an episode? Yeah, we're done. I guess, Nick, you could rein the whole thing in because you were the host. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I think this is a good conversation to have right now because obviously E3 is when all the big press dog and pony shows are trotted out and the console makers make their bigger announcements. But um, definitely a different competitive landscape coming up this fall, I think, than what we saw last year. Um, Doug, Aaron, Spencer, thank you guys for joining me. Uh, Good conversation. Uh, Good to have you here. And uh, we'll be back uh, next week with more of this this, uh, here podcast. This here podcast. This old podcast. Good night now. (laughs) There we go.